0: Blog Talk Radio Welcome ladies and gentlemen welcome to pushing the envelope where all manner of fringe topics are covered from a purely biblical perspective Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this edition of Pushing the Envelope. Brian and I just came off a fantastic interview with L.A. Marzulli, and Brian and I decided to put our heads together and try to dig deeper into the matter that L.A. Marzulli uh, had uncovered in Portugal. Absolutely off the charts, some of the conclusions that he came to that Much of the phenomena that we are experiencing in this generation is tied to an event horizon concerning the modern day worship of the divine feminine. Now with that in mind, we've got tons of stuff to cover. Brian has really got his hands dirty. Digging into these matters It ties over into things that you've heard us all talk about before But you haven't heard it in this light That, I can assure you So with that in mind, Brian Your opening comments and diatribe on this issue Of this resurgence Of the worship of the divine feminine Well, as we
1: have been uh, seeing as we keep looking into this entire aspect concerning what is going on here with this UFO phenomenon, the connections that seem to be inherent between actions that were taken by the infamous uh, Aleister Crowley and then moving forward to Jack Parsons with his uh, Babylon working and the strange parallel of the events started to play out thereafter as we had a resurgence and an old, very ancient demonic entity start making its appearance again. And when you begin to look into the lore involved with two specific ancient goddesses that had been worshipped, well, one ancient goddess and then one that seems to tie into it, you start realizing that all of this is connected and it gets rather how would you put it otter and otter the more you keep digging into this
0: so let me ask you this let me ask you this Bri now look let's just let's just not beat around the bush okay yes or no is this tied in With Biblical entities That have long Been debated Long been Written about um, Far before uh, Really uh, anybody cares To take note of that Well even In the rabbinical literature This is all over it Um, Do we have a biblical entity That we can start with Can we start or is this how you started this um, research that you're doing? Because you know we're putting everything out on the out on the table. Uh, it is no secret we've never kept it a secret that you and I, Brian, are simply two sides of one holy half shekel. I was born and raised from my inception, even to include my christening. On the eighth day, my mother would have it no other way. To you, being just the opposite of that, yet coming to Christianity, I would say the exact opposite way of I. God has put us together for a rhyme and a reason, no doubt to that. So let me ask you that. Did your research start in the Bible, or did it start with other material that are, that you already knew about? <coughs> Well, I mean,
1: as we've discussed before, I had that event that happened in when I was 16 with the uh, Belvo UFO flap and everything that transpired from there. And this has been a long journey, you know, essentially, because I've been trying to figure out what in the world has been going on here since that very time. Now, as I brought up before, and you'll find out a lot of people report the same thing. Um, I attempted to go into a church to find answers. They kicked me out the door they refuse to acknowledge this. So this has been one of those long tracks where I've tried to take pieces of what I recall happening to me and trying to logically look at this. And there's one aspect that by itself begins to amplify everything because you're going to begin to notice the more you look into these, uh, these UFO reports where people have had abduction scenarios and the major UFO flaps start showing up, you're going to begin to notice that something very specific begins to show up in a multitude of these reports. And it's known as a screech owl. And I, at the time when these things were happening in Belleville, screech owls were in the midst of this. And it's something that for a very long, long time had bothered me. I could not understand why they continue to keep coming up in the midst of this with multiple reports, including my own uh, run-in at that point in history. And yet, the thing is, is it sort of ends up being the key into understanding at least one of these uh groups that are being described as far as these aliens are concerned because obviously the more you look into this you're going to find out you get all kinds of uh interesting little odds and ends and i think each one of them probably is going to have its same result where we're going to be able to find exactly what these things are through the bible itself but screech owl is very important because it shows up In the Bible, when you look underneath that term that's used in Isaiah, you're going to find out that that term underneath there is Lilith. Now, of course, we've gotten a bunch of strange, differing uh, accounts concerning this Lilith, and most people actually pull from a Middle Ages manuscript when they first hear that about it being supposedly Adam's first wife and all this other stuff, but that's not where the original context of this comes from this is actually from the ancient Akkadian and Sumerian lore it goes right back to the heart of Mesopotamia and this thing is a very old entity that has been around for a long time so that story that has come into this equation that's not the reality of where Lilith comes from so you know of course most people hear that story over the years and They kind of just go, okay, and throw that out as being nonsense, which is completely understandable. But once you understand that this is actually something very ancient, very old, then things start to add up after a while.
0: Well, Brian, that being stated, I know a whole lot about the rabbinical text. I know a whole lot about this screech owl, this... uh, Well, how it's pronounced in Hebrew, where it's at in the Bible. But, something else is screaming out to me. uh, Something else that I know a whole lot about. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Bubo. Bubo, of course, was the owl of a particular Greek deity. That... I know much about, and people don't realize where the word bubo comes from. Well, do yourself a search for eagle owl, or horned owl, and guess what genus it is. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, straight from the Greek, bubo. That right there makes me pause in my words, because this owl phenomenon has been going on for thousands of years Brian thousands of years so does Bubo tie into this research that you've been looking at
1: well to be honest you know more about that that's not one I've actually looked on yet I've tried to keep this to its most ancient form to kind of get an idea of what's being referred to there so maybe if you explain that more clearly and for myself and for the listeners' sake, and I can see if I can see correlations and draw into the same thing.
0: Well, the first thing that everybody needs to realize this is that Bubo was not this deity's... Let let me rephrase that. I need to attach a feminine to that. So we're going to call this entity... um, Man, I really don't want to use goddess. uh, But there's no feminine for deity. This deities, it was not her bird. It was her. And she would take the form of Bubo in order to go about her escapades undetected. You have this poured in artifacts all over the ancient Middle East in pure silver. As a matter of fact, there are so many artifacts with bubo in pure silver. They know absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt that just like the holy half shekel, ladies and gentlemen, silver was attached to the idea and the worship of this deity. And I'm only saying that because it it is repulsive to me to say goddess, there is no such thing. The Lord, he is God, and besides him, there is no other. So it's just it's just it just <laughs> it just creates a foul taste in my mouth when I have to say it, but there's really no other way I can put that. So let me pass this over to Brian. Uh, You all can look that up. Of course, uh, do your research on the Owl of Athena. And that leaves a bad taste in my mouth as well because I didn't want to mention her name. Um, I didn't want to say goddess, but there's just no other way to translate this information in English to this generation. So with that in mind, uh, Brian, I pass it back to you. Well, when you break it down with bringing Athena
1: in, I think, honestly, we're dealing with one and the same thing here. Because, obviously, you know, the Greek came along and they sort of just kind of incorporated everybody else's uh, deities into their own lore. And, I mean, we you can see that is pretty much standardly understood throughout a vast majority of um, anybody that's done any comparative mythology and Uh, work, they know that, well, the Greeks basically came in and stole everybody else's deities is what it breaks down to. They just um, assimilated them, essentially, and gave them their own names that were the same. I mean, where do we get Osiris is, for instance, that's a Greek term for that name, which is technically when you look at it, it's Asar, or to put it simply, it's Asher. So, you know, we get a lot of these names and ideas that are actually one and the same thing. And you'll find that is pretty much a constant throughout a vast majority of these things throughout the Middle East. They're always going to end up going back to one and the same with a different name and a different culture. So, to me, when you get that war aspect coming in with Athena and... All of that included, it's you've got the same idea that's tied in with, uh, well, this one was known as Ishtar and was obviously worshiped by the Akkadians and, uh, of course, the Assyrians. And at certain points, it actually superseded Asher, which, um, begins to make me ask some deeper questions. But if you look at some of these statues with, um, Ishtar, you're also going to find one that's got at the bottom of her feet well there's two owls standing right there and um, this is not that specific statue that's going to be in a different spot that I've got that image but uh, nonetheless you'll find that this ties into one of the stories concerning this specific deity going into the underworld and those uh, That Lilith is involved in that part of it. It comes up in a story related to Gilgamesh with the serpent, the tree. There's a certain type of bird. And then uh, these Lilith, these night demons are at the bottom. And really that's, to a degree, almost your best way to translate this. uh, This Lilith is a, it's a night demon. And they're associated with, you know, there was a lot of, uh, what would you call it? they made uh, protective sigils commanding this thing to stay away from their children. So obviously you had it being associated possibly here with crib death, not to even mention you start getting into the incubi uh, type of deities. And the disturbing thing is, is when you understand what was going on with uh, Crawley and, you know, like we talked about with LA on Sunday, um, you start bringing in all these Eastern religions, like H.P. Uh, Blavatsky had done, you start bringing in this tantric lore, and they started mixing the Eastern um, religions with the Western styled occult religions. They started making, putting the two of them together. And honestly, that's actually quite important in light of quite a few other things because, I mean, for one, I think it's mankind that has put a make-believe divide between West and East getting the conclusion they were never in contact with each other when all of our archaeological data shows they indeed were in contact with one another.
0: This owl, Bubo, uh, also had another, took on another aspect. It was also called the Owl of Minerva. Now, This was basically just another name, of course, for Athena. But I want to ask you this in particular. In this aspect, it was completely the symbol of knowledge and wisdom. And did the worship of this deity uh, involve, uh, well, mystic knowledge is that what uh, Mrs. Blavatsky was, at, was after? Um, because if that be the case, you are emphatically referring to the same deity because that's, that's exactly uh, what Bubo represented. Uh, your comments, please.
1: Well, most definitely that's what Blavatsky was after. I mean, we don't even know, to be honest, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with her that you tend to wonder how um, all together in the head the woman was. But ir- irregardless of that, she was claiming that she was getting uh, channeling all this information from these uh, ascended masters, so to say. But once again, you know, there's a lot of people that seem to think that she actually was up to some real fraudulent, ridiculous garbage, because you got to understand at the same time. Her writings were what led to this extreme right-wing uh, nationalist racist mentality that flared up in Eastern Europe and into Germany and heavily influenced what happened with the Nazis leading up to World War II. Those religions all filtered in there. They got mixed in with – because they started mixing all these ideas from – Uh, bringing in Evolution and then they mixed in all this garbage and so it's, Blavatsky is one of those, when you bring her up, I get a bad taste in my mouth. I can't stand that woman. I've never had any kind of appreciation for anything she did in my entire life. I always was disgusted by her, but was that what she was doing? Yeah. It's one and the same thing.
0: Well, that being the case, um this ties directly to the biblical Greek uh, because, well, Brian, um, the word for knowledge in the Greek is also attributed to a deity that is lord over exactly what you're talking about. Not just knowledge. Okay, we're not talking about uh, how to uh, sow your corn. Now, make no mistakes about it. That old Involves the measurements of a man. Everybody knows this. You plant your corn so many fingers deep, and then of course you spread it out so many uh, forearms apart. Because if you plant the corn too close together or too shallow, it won't grow. That's not what we're talking. That's not what we're talking about. This knowledge is always bad. Is just to make sure, is this the type of knowledge that you're referring to? And if so, was this God-hater? Now, look, I, I don't have time to mix words with you, Brian. Was this God-hater, Blavatsky, was she the event horizon of this resurgence of this worship of the divine feminine? Of which there's no such thing, Brian. I'm I'm, I'm sorry to to put it to you like that. There's no such thing as a divine feminine. Just just so our listeners know. But is she the event horizon for this resurgence? Well,
1: I would suspect she was tied into it most most definitely. And I mean it's even uh we brought up that text uh was written in eighteen ninety nine. I think this might be the same one that I've got up here. Um that started that whole idea rolling back in motion again did start happening in 1899 so was she part and parcel with it i think there was a lot of people that were moving in that direction to be quite honest it didn't get its full 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 um resurgence until oddly enough after what parsons did with his babylon working is when everything went full born that's when gardner came in with his uh his writings on the neo-pagan and bringing back in the feminine and all that stuff. So they're all of course connected one to another. There's no denying that. And even what Crowley and his insanity was doing and all the way across the board. Yeah. They're all definitely connected. There's no way of escaping that.
0: Well, that being said, um, really does bother me that people don't realize that, Um, with the worship of Athena and and Bubo, you catch this all over the Greek silver castings, an acronym, a three-lettered acronym. And when you know that, when you can see that, you, you really get the Greek text of the Bible to explode because that has direct connections to, of course, G. 114, to set aside. And the very meaning of that word is to set aside and also to neutralize or violate, which is exactly what this type of knowledge does. So with that in mind, I've pretty well emptied my clip, Brian. You have the floor until you want my interjection uh, next. You're going to have to call my attention because now we're into uncharted territory where you alone have the expertise in. So I pass the mic back to you until I am called upon.
1: Well, I think at this point it's sort of important to give some historic perspective. Now, something I noticed, uh, this was just recently, this uh, video was released um, from Lord Collins Renfrew. He is uh, one of the top uh, archaeologists that's been working on the whole infamous uh, where did the uh, Indo-European people come from? And obviously, it's pretty much common knowledge now that they came from Central Asia and moved up into the European continent. Some of them went down. Obviously, you had... um, Groups that moved up from, oh, what in the world is the name of those mountains? Uh, Tajikistan, some of those areas, I can't remember the mountain range off the top of my head, but nonetheless, some of them moved down into, obviously, what ends up becoming part of the Prince of Persia's territory. You had some of these people going down into India, and, you know, this is even one of the biggest debates to this very day about the whole infamous Aryan invasion theory they still just bicker back and forth and back and forth but nonetheless now that we've come along to the point where we've got archaeogenetics they've definitely found out that yes these people did come out of Central Asia made their way into Europe and all of that now there was another uh, woman out there I believe her name off the top of my head is Maria Gambuto Let's see if I can uh read this it's really small print here yeah um marisa gambutas and she was doing a lot of work in the areas of eastern europe and then obviously had started digging into stuff in central asia and looking at everything that was going on there and what she ended up finding was entire civilizations that were matriarchal meaning they were Well, the women were in charge in these civilizations, and obviously at that point in time, you had worship of the feminine going on and everything else, but what they have found now in the new archaeogenetic findings is that this set of people that were worshiping the divine feminine, that was the first wave, and this goes back quite early in history, whereas the second wave of people that came out of Central Asia and came into the European continents, they were no longer uh, matriarchal, no longer the same worship system. And when you begin to look at the varied uh, findings that they found that were associated with this matriarchal society, you begin to get the impression that this was the pre-flood civilization. And you don't really have any way else of explaining this when you realize that you had two distinct waves at different points in history coming out through these areas. Now, on top of it, as of the last few years, up in Siberia, in a cave up in the Altai Mountains, They found a new genetic strand that is referred to as Denisovan. What they found this in was first the small finger bone of a younger girl. But then the next piece they found was a giant tooth. And they've traced this uh, Denisovan genetic material. And it shows up in a few very specific groups of people to this day. But what's even more interesting is where some of your biggest uh, findings of giants have been at is where they've traced the Denisovan DNA within the archogenetics, even including into the Americas. And this all ties in. You know, we've talked about this kind of in the background a bit. That we've long suspected that the major place where things began to happen with Genesis 6, started out by the Altai Mountains. And what they found with this Denisovan DNA, well, folks, that's the DNA of the giants. That's all there is to it, which sort of changes everything. Further, adding credence on the fact that this first stream of archaeogenetic data where they're finding this worship of the feminine, it's all part and parcel with the same thing. So I'll get you to comment on that,
0: Matthew. (laughs) It's the same thing. Of course it is. What else did you expect it to be, ladies and gentlemen? That doesn't surprise me at all. It's, man, you're, you're talking about an event horizon that's absolutely off the charts. These things tying in, well, Brian, with this generation, I mean, you're really talking about the past 120 years really, you cannot escape that fact, Brian I mean, you're speaking in things that, you know, I'm not really not an expert in, but I listen biblically, that's what my ears are tuned to hear, and when you say generation, when you say Genesis, I'm sorry, but I can't hear any other frequency, all other frequencies are literally muted I mean, I screen out all other frequencies naturally. And maybe I should point this out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the type of people we're talking about that have done this. You need to understand what G114 is. Where it's at, and I'll give you one of the verses, it is actually G5087. That means to place. It has a very strange thing and you're not going to be able to see it in your strong cords because it just quite simply has a prefix alpha. A prefix alpha is negative. It means opposite. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the verse that it's in. Yet in the same way these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Now I don't know What else Brian is getting ready to add. I I really don't. But. You need to realize. Brian and I. Have stated this over and over and over and over. So when these people. Try to say. That they're in league with angelic entities. Oh no they aren't. Any type of. Religion, or religious practices, I don't care if it ranges everything from uh, christening babies all the way to satanic rituals. Me and Brian have spoke to this many times, it's just you didn't know what was right there. Right there in that verse, the word I read to you, reject authority and revile angelic majesties, that word reject there, is nothing more than than G5087 with the prefix alpha. And guess what? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That acronym I was telling you about, that is, man, oh man, it's alpha, theta, ellipson. That is bubo's, that is is the divine feminine's acronym. And it's right there in that verse, it's just that you could not see it. So any time you hear anybody religious speaking about this, well, Sophia, and archaic knowledge, all such knowledge, you need to understand that they always knew. Ladies and gentlemen, your your pastors and your shepherds should have known this. But I'm going to say that again. Yet in the same way, these men, also by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject, that's it right there, that's that word, authority and revile angelic majesties. They are telling you one thing, and they are lying to you. I mean, I've got a feeling that Brian's going to fill in all kinds of blanks where these God-haters, these dreamers that defile the flesh and reject authority? and revile angelic majesties they're going to tell you the exact opposite I bet Brian I I don't even have to hesitate Brian is going to describe to us how they say they've been using angelic magic to call forth these entities but like I said as far as the timeline goes you mentioned Genesis you mentioned generation, I don't know how to speak any other way except biblically, and that's the only thing I have in response to the bride. You're talking about 120 years. I that, that My ears, whenever they hear, the Bible drowns out all other noises. So I, I, I'm forced, I, I just can't help it, I listen biblically. And when Brian brought up those two things, Genesis, generation, that's 120. Brian, back to you.
1: Well, and that's just it. What year did I mention was when they first began moving things towards the worship of the feminine again, 1899. We have talked about the 100-year time span, how many times starting in 1899. If I were to make a list, of the amount of major things that have affected this world to such a unbelievable scale right now that started in 1899, we'd be here for a month. This is but one more thing that's had a major effect on this generation. And I don't see that any of this is coincidence that all of these things are tied in. When we find out this archaeogenetic data on top of it, is showing us that it was the earlier groups of mankind that were out worshiping the feminine. And lo and behold, this also brings us into the events of Genesis 6. None of this is coincidence. And it goes full circle to where we're at now and ties in part and parcel with what's going on here with this modern wave within the UFO things that are happening
0: let me interject in here just for a second that had to be the case because that's when everything was triggered concerning biblical prophecy and the sons of Zadok because it was 1899 that the Zionist trust was established to help pay for the Jews to go back to the promised land to settle right over Sheba's Rift. Back to you, Brian.
1: Yup, exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: And you have another pivot point within that because you have 1897 that you're going to find out is continually a part of this as well. That's the first Zionist convention in 1897. Then the major movements start in 1899. Not to even mention that it's not coincidence as well of how many things keep going around the circle and landing on 1917. We had LA come in and explain everything that's going on that happened out there with the Fatima Portugal events in 1917, 1917 on top of it too. And I've been able to confirm this at least a tiny amount. If this is one of the hardest things to get to the bottom of, but there's this infamous rumor that floats around about this supposed real society, and what is claimed is that these women started channeling information from some people claiming to be star people and giving them information to build basically advanced anti gravitational craft. And this once again happened in 1917. You had a group of women channeling these things. They thought they had to have their hair to basically to the floor to be able to channel these things. And you just keep deadpanning on these same dates over and over and over again. Now, as Matthew brought up as well, we have claims that people were quote unquote channeling and bringing through angels to do these works you see and here's kind of the key critical piece because we brought up that hermetic order of the golden dawn when we were having that discussion with LA on Sunday okay they took things from a man by the name of John B who penned a text called Enochian Magic now Everybody has assumed that that was quote-unquote angels that were speaking to him and gave him all that information. But I can assure you right now, those were not angels. All of the scholars that have looked into this have taken note of the fact, and John D. even put this in a set of secret notes that he had that they found quite a few years later in a chest of his, where John D. even started getting concerned going, These angels are committing blasphemy. I think he started to realize he wasn't dealing with angels. There were things that came through where they're like, well, if you really are what you say you are, then give us prophecies. Two things happened. The whole rest of them didn't. Just lying spirits. The Enochian writings that they penned at that time are completely apocalyptic in nature. Everything about them is about bringing about the end, making matters worse, because obviously this is in the 1500s. A vast majority of these uh, spirits' concern was the new world. That becomes frightening in context of when you begin to wrap your mind around what that knucklehead Jack Parsons did Here in the United States. Because as we've talked about before. Folks like it or not. The new world. Is Babylon. Last days. And he does a working called. The Babylon working. You see there was a little thing. With these writings of John B. You see there was 49. Leaves. Or keys as they try to call them. But one of them was. Not ever written down. That one was to never be broken. Never to be touched. You see and that knucklehead Crawley. Well he went around and he opened all 48 of them up. But then Parsons comes along. And does a 49th. That was never written. Then lo and behold slightly thereafter. Our modern variant. Of these uh, spirits that are masquerading pretending to be moon men, come on the scene.
0: Well, you know, Brian, you bring up some things that just just rub me the wrong way. I mean, it's like sandpaper. Um, I've heard so much information puked out about this, uh, this Babylon working. I've heard just so much stuff about it that it, it just rubs me raw. But you're saying that Crowley was not the one who unlocked this 49th leaf or, or gate? Leaf? There were
1: no instructions given for that 49th. They were told, nope, you don't get this one. And remember, we talked about this privately. There's something very disturbing in the beginning of that text that Parsons wrote down. When he started messing around with his conjuring work, there's something that just an offhanded statement states, let me out of here. Now that bothers me, and I don't understand why nobody has ever even zeroed in on that part of the text and went, what is going on here? Well, let me
0: ask you this. Well, now, in which... Oh, my goodness! I hate talking about this in which working now in Crowley, there was the voice uh let me out, or was that Parsons Parsons, okay, so what do you think was this entity uh I don't need to miss words, Brian of this moon man named Lamb um you're saying that that whatever Parsons did was one step further is that what you're saying?
1: Well, the suspicion is and even the ones that are obviously the scholars in these departments um one of the main guys that has studied this in depth is convinced that he ripped something open that allowed these things to come through and this is not this is not coming from one of your goofballs in ufology, no this is somebody that's an expert in these fields and stating He ripped open
0: a portal and something came through. Okay, we got to push the envelope. I'm not going to be like these others that beat around the bush, beat around the bush, beat around the bush. I'm going to push the envelope. That's what we're doing. Look, Brian, millions of Christians need these questions answered. So I'm not going to beat around the bush with you. So are you saying that whatever was tore Whether it be a dimension, space, time, whatever. Was that an angel that came through this tear or this gate Uh, as many of uh, these God-haters refer to it as? No. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one Stargate. You're told point blank that its focal point is the shoulders of Christ the King. Okay, so let's keep this in the language that Brian is using, a tear. Are you saying that angels come through these tears or something else? Because this is the question that needs to be answered. I
1: personally don't think this was an angel at all. And this was a rip in, you know, what, I guess depending on what kind of terminology people want to use, a dimensional rip, or as I refer to it, the veil, which... How do you explain that exactly? Well, some people would refer to it like onion skins. Everything is sort of to a degree in the same place, but slightly separated from one layer upon another.
0: Well, let me explain it in my way, because I'm just going to do a flashback to eight years old. I put this question to Brother Webster. Now, let me clarify for that. When I was a child, in my church... All of the adults were either brothers or sisters. And to be honest with you, um, I know Brother Webster's first name, but I shall not use it because I'm giving him honor because it is due him. He was a godly man. He explained it like this. He said, well, what do you know of it? What do you think of this? I said, well, the Bible says it's a ladder. Well, let's go get the ladder. So we walked outside and literally got the ladder that was used to clean out the gutters at the church. And he says, this is what I'm going to use to illustrate to you. He took a dowel rod and stuck it in one of the holes, and it made the rung of the ladder longer. It was outside the two rails, Brian. You understand that's what a ladder is. It's two rails. And there's steps in between the two rails. Well, the hole, that is the aluminum step, he ran a dowel pole through. Now, most people don't understand what that is, maybe because they're not in construction or not a carpenter. Like a um, a broom handle. He ran a broom handle through that, and he goes, this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to create an extension of those steps on the ladder that was outside the two rails, God has had created to govern. So. You said entities. What entities. What non angelic. Entities would have been coming. Through these do you mean. Uh, people were escaping from Hades. Uh, people were escaping from. From paradise. Were these people or what were these. Entities and if you don't know. That's fine just say I don't know Brian. But give us your Best educated guess at least because like I said this is pushing the envelope these are the questions that's being asked by the sheep it is our mandate to answer those questions so Brian your thoughts what were these entities
1: well in this specific case this was whatever decided it was going to mix with an owl
0: it's this Lilette entity All right. I have no further questions. Um, Please continue.
1: And, you know, this is where it begins to get, you know, because when you break this down, we've talked about what happens there in Psalms 139, where you've got that verse that adds up to 1947. You have that first word that is golem. Now, at first, you can't understand what in the world is going on. With this, because well, the whole idea that behind Parsons doing this goofy thing that he did was to bring forth this moon child, but they keep bringing up a Homoculus, a golem over and over again, and you can't really understand the gist of it at first as to what's going on. But when you start looking into this lore concerning this Lilith demon. And then you start looking into the Kabbalistic lore, and you start looking at the two of them, you go, oh, no. It's one and the same thing as one of these greys. Now, what exactly were they speaking of when they were talking about a homoculus? Well, that's where things got disturbing. It took me a long time to put the pieces together as into what in the world he could have done. And this goes part and parcel with this Lilith when they describe these things as being part of the, they refer to them as an incubus, hackubus, succubus type thing. This goes into this type of occult practice that they were, had brought into Western occultism at that time.
0: Alright. Let me clarify what you meant by uh, this verse that equals 1947. I can jump in here right now and clarify, no problem. People need to understand what we're talking about, especially those that are crowned with silver within the church. Ladies and gentlemen, Hebrew never had Arabic numerals in it. That means one, two, three. Literally what you call Roman numerals, like you see on many clocks. The entire Hebrew alphabet is that thing. Brian is saying that the one verse that has the word golem in it Psalms 139 verse 16 when you look at that as an equation instead of a sentence it alphanumerically equals 1948 now the God haters will call this numerology no it's not it's alphanumerics both Hebrew and and Greek were always alphanumerical languages. Always. You need to understand that Arabic numerals were not invented until 700 AD. Well, after the completion of both the Greek and the Masoretic text. So, with that in mind, Brian, I just had to clarify that to make sure that everybody understood what you were referencing And ladies and gentlemen You need to look these two things up uh, You can do so quite easily uh, On even uh, Wikipedia Look up Gollum and Humoculus. When you do so Please try to understand that Well that's What Brian is alluding to So back to you Brian Yep and this is And I'm Explaining this is not
1: Fun, And I mean, to be thoroughly honest, having to even look down these realms to figure out what in the world these idiots did, I don't know what other word to call them, because it was idiotic to go and do something like this group of people did. But you have to understand that, for one, the perverse style of magic that these people were practicing, this Lilith demon is attracted to to that very specific thing.
0: Well, can I ask you something about the timeline? The advent of UFOology in its modern sense is the Foo Fighters. No doubt about that. There is no question. There is no question that this started in about 1942 and they were just lights, Brian. They were just lights. Do you see an echo of these entities saying, let me out? Do you see that this is, it's after this, that these solid objects that we call flying disc came about after these Foo Fighters? Is it possible that the observance of the Foo Fighters... Visually, was an echo, audibly, of these entities saying, let us out. And that, that is exactly what these Babylon workings was trying to accomplish. Your thoughts? Well, this would take you part and parcel back, what, 30 years previous to 1917.
1: What did I bring up before? You had these women that were channeling from these things that they claimed were up by Alboran, up in Taurus, by the Pleiades star system, getting this information to build anti-gravitational vehicles. Now, we might want to laugh at that and go, oh, ha-ha, that's real funny. But they know for a fact now from things that have been recovered from Nazi Germany and files that have been uh, declassified here since the fall of, of the Soviet Union at the end of the Cold War, they know full well that they had these things in their possession. So that's no longer science fiction. That's reality. Now, I've seen interesting explanations that could be quite feasible for those flu Fighters. But either or, even if it was something that was created by the Nazis, they still got that information via the same rod of extrapolation of essentially what Parsons ended up doing later because all these occult groups that were tied into Nazi Germany all had their same roots going back to these exact same circles again. So they were all working in tandem with one another. So uh, directly or indirectly, yes, those Foo Fighters are connected. What those Foo Fighters were, well, that's
0: a much longer
1: discussion.
0: Well, I mean, we we have to push the envelope, so I had to ask the question, because, look, what does God always say, Brian? Have eyes that can see, ears that can hear. And it just seems like to me, okay, that the advent of these just seeing lights, just seeing orbs, that comes from 1942. And... Uh, airplanes and all that and then all of a sudden it turns into something else now I have looked into this extensively the airplane pilots in this said time did not see flying disc it wasn't till later that all of a sudden we had this explosion of flying discs. so I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen to put two and two together it just seems like to me that's natural first we're seeing blobs of light at the same exact time these entities were saying, let us out. Brian? Well, and it's, as
1: I stated, it's all connected. I mean, think about it. When you have um, a group of people in out by Austria and out by Germany going, we're channeling this information from these things from this other star system to tell us how to build flying saucers. It's all connected to the same thing all the way across the board. Now, as I stated before, we've obviously got different types of things being described by people. And we're, you know, when I'm touching on this very specific thing, we're dealing with the ones they call the greats. But this is all locked into each other. These people start channeling this stuff. They're all part of the same occult groups. And then lo and behold, Bam, the modern UFO events all begin to happen, all locked in with the same time frame. You have these things falling on years that are key critical to the formation of Israel. You can't escape that something is happening here on these timelines that are not coincidence.
0: Well, with that being said, Brian... I mean, if you have further information to give, then give it. We're at the top of the hour. We haven't answered any of what's going on here yet, so... Then let's do that ASAP.
1: Well, I mean, that's the big question. So what is it these knuckleheads did? Now, as I stated, this perverse style of magic that these people were working with this uh, Thelema with this... I don't know what to call it, this occult variant that Aleister Crowley came up with, which he channeled through a deity he called Iwas in Cairo, Egypt. Now, when you look at what was happening there with Crowley, you can see for certain that he was getting information directly from the Assyrian himself. When you look at what he states, for instance, he states that he was able to see this Iwas every now and then, and he was addressed in either Persian or Assyrian dress. He gets this information when he's in the Great Pyramid is when this starts. He even states in some of his other workings that this man shows up dressed in Assyrian garb and says he's Assyrian. Okay, we keep going back in circles here. He states that what he's to bring about is the Aeon of Horus. Now, that might be confusing at first until you understand something very key critical about Horus. Horus is the resurrected Osiris. They're one in the same. They always have been. But most people don't understand this. Now, what he was claiming is they were trying to get away from the age of Osiris and go into the age of Horus. And at the same time, they're one and the same thing. It's just the other aspect of Osiris. Horus is the risen Osiris. Now, when you look at some of these things that are going on with Horus, for instance, you'll see some of these battles described in their ancient texts where he's up in the air and he's a flying disc. Okay, that's a little bit on the ridiculous side. You got to be joking. But that's what it says. Now we have all seen the depictions of Asher where he's sitting inside of a what it's a flying disk. Okay, you take the man out of it, it's a flying disk. Those are all over Egypt. The
0: Egyptians showed up there being worshipers of Asher, of Asher. Can I ask you a question? Um that also refers back to the infamous battle of Tyre when Alexander should have went to Jerusalem and slaughtered them because they didn't send him the troops he requested and he did not do so because the intervention of flying silver shields do you tie that in with that as well so this is some type of I'm not saying angelic, but the intervention uh, of such well-said entities, Brian. Well, look at where he goes afterwards.
1: Obviously, he makes his way into Israel. He goes down and he sieges Gaza. Then he goes into Egypt and goes where? To Oracle of Amman. After all of his roundabout things that he does, collapses the Persian Empire... Then, for some odd reason, he shows up at Eden. Somebody was directing his course the entire time. And if he went to that Oracle of Ammon, and we've talked about this privately, there is no other reason except for he was getting information directed to him from the Assyrian and himself. And there's no way of escaping it.
0: Well, Brian, let, let me interject this. Now, I'm not trying to get you off course here said entities paid a terrible toll upon Alexander. He died in Babylon. Nobody has a clue as to why. Tell me, you're saying that Parsons is the one that stepped upon this 49th leaf. Did he meet a happy end, or uh, did he die of natural causes, heart attack, what's What's your information on that? Because I I honestly do not know.
1: Well, this is the disturbing thing in that working. And even, you know, even the biographers that have chronicled um, Parson's life, I've got one of his books that was written on him here, um, that they've got the uh, TV series up right now um, from CBS. What is that? Something Angel. I can't remember off the top of my head. And what's disturbing about that is in the very beginning of this working, is he's warned that by the way you're going to die in a fiery death when this is working has been brought about you're going to be obliterated well guess what happened that's exactly what happened he drops which makes no sense to everybody that's worked with him he drops this may uh want to say this right i want it's magnesium fulminate i believe he drops a vial of it and it explodes And everybody that knew him said he never did anything clumsy concerning the chemicals he worked with for making buried rocket fuels and all that. So they said it was completely out of character. It made no sense. Um, One of the other um, friends of his made a comment that there's a fire demon came and destroyed him. And you really have to wonder, because he's warned at the beginning of this working, you're going to get consumed by fire.
0: Well, we have the same thing with Alexander the Great. Now, all the God-haters and all the SS shepherds, the self-serving shepherds, they call Josephus a liar. And they do that for one reason. Because he states that when Alexander showed up to Jerusalem, they showed him a copy of Daniel because it had already been written because it was prophecy. Yeah, that's true, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible's true. Not your... uh, Preacher and theologians No they're lying to you That being said You're saying that Jack Parsons Did the same exact thing because If Alexander Had been told The prophecy In Daniel about him Just like now make sure we all Understand what the bible says There were three ribs in that mouth One was his mother A prophetess The oracle at Delphi and the third one was the oracle that Brian just mentioned. This being the case, Alexander knew his doom, and he did it anyway. Are you saying it's possible that both Alexander and Parsons knew their end, and they did it anyway? Is is that possible?
1: I, I think the warning was pretty clear cut. Now Parsons heeded the warning or understood that. That's all together. Up for debate, but nonetheless, the warning was there in broad daylight, so.
0: There's one other question I've got to ask you that's come across my plate. It has been rumored that Parsons was actually trying to create a humuculus. yes or no, from your research.
1: Well, that no, because at least in the statement that was made by that person, was wrong. Because they tried to claim that the explosion, he was trying to do that at the time. No, that's not the case. But was he trying to do it earlier? Yes. That person, um, oh, what was it, an actor or a director friend of his wife's made that comment. And it would have been taken out of context because the initial working of what he was doing with what he referred to as Libra 49 was to bring forth. This moon child. So the original working, that was its intent. And most people say, well, it never happened. Well, here's the problem. They didn't comprehend what it was that was meant through these occult workings of how this had to be done. And you're not going to see it until you look through the history and realize, oh, my gosh. It took me a lot of digging to get to the bottom of how. These people saw this working taking place. And it has to do with the first trimester in aborting that child. When that happens, the spirit leaves. And then they reanimate it. And that's what they did. Because if you look at the history, lo and behold, you find out that this woman that came to him, after he did the initial portion of this working, That's exactly what happened. It happened twice. That's what they used for the vessel to bring this Lilith demonic entity through and to possess. And what they've done from there, Well, we talked about the stem cell aspect of this, but it's when you look at these things and you begin to realize how this ties in. With that terminology that's used in the English for screech owl. Because it hit me full force. I have wondered about this for years. It was driving me nuts when I've been working on all this. It's when I saw this documentary on the ancient Romania with the Thracians. And then going forward, obviously, into their other cultures. But things that happened there in ancient times. And what these guys did at the end of this documentary knocked me completely almost out of my chair, because I sat there and I went, oh my gosh, it's been right there the whole time. They showed, for instance, they know about the Australian pictures where they depict these things as being the sky gods that came down to them. And they look just like great. And then, you know, lo and behold, we know full well that we've got these same images all over the world. Obviously, whoever made this documentary figured out something I was trying to figure out this whole time, because they imposed an owl over the top of every one of them to show you that's what they are. And then all of a sudden, everything made sense. Because like I said, when you understand that they're using this perverse form of tantric magic, this is what attracts this specific Lilith demonic entity to it. And you can look into this and you're going to find out that it's part and parcel with this, being, You start looking into the Kabbalistic lore, it gets more disturbing because you realize on top of it as well, when they get further along and they write the Zohar and some of these other texts, they start referring to this thing as being androgynous. What do they always refer to these graves as being? They have no sexual organs whatsoever. They're androgynous. The more you look at it, you begin to realize what it is that he did that day and he opened the door for these things to come through. They used those aborted children, which is beyond disgusting prior to that first trimester. And this is like we talked about in the background. Matthew and I, it really begins to bother me when you start thinking about them worshiping Moloch and passing their children through the fire. You begin to wonder if these
0: if they were doing this very same thing
1: at that time.
0: Brian, what you just said completely blew me away. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we have caught Planned Parenthood buying, selling aborted babies. That's what your tax dollars are being used for when you pay your kleptocracy. There is no Democrat. That's a lie. There is no Republican. That's a lie. You have not a democracy. You have a kleptocracy. Brian, that is chilling. It's absolutely chilling. Now, wow. I have gone just about as far as my mind can go the mic is yours
1: well I, i mean to comment on that too and they'll throw out there that supposedly planned parenthood is not paying for abortions that's all a myth and all that and look i found out just recently here this girl relayed to us that they paid for her abortion and i was pretty furious about this And honestly, I think this is where stuff gets real disturbing when you start looking down some aspects concerning this, why it is our government might be involved in the midst of this. And there gets to be some real weird stuff when you begin looking down these circles where there's a lot of people that suspect that this military industrial complex is tied part and parcel with this entire broad topic. Because when you consider how deeply connected, obviously, especially Nazi Germany, because we know full well we've covered this in depth, just the war criminal aspect of people that were brought in to fight against the communists, that's only half of the equation. That information I got from somebody that worked, hired by Jimmy Carter in the state in the Justice Department to investigate why there were so many Nazi war criminals on our ground. That is from reliable information. We know on top of as well that Project Paperclip, obviously, was brought in for our aerospace and rocketry designs. But then you go into the levels of this anti-gravitational propulsion systems, which, folks, those are real. They've known about this technology for a long time. So, yes, in part, some of these things that are being seen are man-made. The question is, is what ones aren't and what are. This gets into weird areas. But the deeper you begin to look at these connections with the military industrial complex, these connections with this whole realm, because don't forget what it was Jack Parsons was part of, okay? His company ended up becoming JPL. They're one of the main aerospace companies that's out there. So you do, if you like it or not, you've got this strange thing going on here in the background. And I don't like going down certain conspiratorial routes. But there are aspects I will talk about because we can confirm them. And these aspects, as far as the Nazis are concerned, these are fully confirmed. We've talked about MKUltra, for instance. Once again, declassified, confirmed. Project Stargate, for instance, what was that? Remote viewing, declassified, confirmed. Okay, we can keep going with this. People don't realize that years back, they actually released an entire trove of documents out of the CIA concerning UFOs, not to even mention documents on the Roswell incident. All this has been out there in broad daylight. Okay, people have probably heard about the infamous Nazi Bell. But do they know about the Kecksburg Bell? Because again, a whole slew of people saw this thing crash there. And you look at it, it even had the same markings as that infamous Nazi bell, which a lot of these people are stating was actually the propulsion system for these anti-gravitational devices. So it gets really quite strange after a while.
0: Well, Brian, I think we've Well, I think we certainly have pushed the envelope right to the precipice, right to the edge. Your closing comments, please.
1: Well, this is one – it's been one mysterious area to try to open up and understand. And I'm still, to a degree, trying to understand some of the odds and ends going on here. And I think as we push things a little bit further, we're going to probably end up finding more answers. So like I stated before, I have a suspicion that these very things that are being described on all these different abduction scenarios, we're going to find references to them in the Bible. These descriptions are not coincidence. I mean, think about the insectoids for a minute. We do have references to locusts. In the Bible with that sort of demonic entity We got all kinds of other things in this equation We haven't even talked about the Nordic ones That's going to be really bothersome when we get there Because I'll give a little hint See me and Matthew talked about this time and time again You know when the Magi there at the time of Daniel You see not all of them went along And some of them split they took off and they went into the Himalayas up by Tibet. And you can actually trace it. It's been traced through archaeology. I've got the books in my possession. This is known to be fact. And Tibet seems to be the sort of precipice for bringing all of these things back into the forefront as is. You see, so we had good magi, and we had bad magi. I don't know how else to put it. And honestly, I've got strong suspicions that that other side of that equation is involved here as well. There's a whole lot more that goes into this, but we're starting to get answers that hopefully are shedding a little bit of light on this. I mean, we know full well from a multitude of reports that when these things show up, the moment somebody mentions the name of Jesus, these things freak out and immediately stop what they're doing. That right there tells you this is demonic in nature. There's no escaping that. But as I had pushed and fought against the fact that we've had for so long, so many people were convinced that the angels were involved in this. The more I've dug into this, we're finding out the angels have had nothing to do with this at all. And now little piece of this, pieces of this are beginning to, to get clearer and hopefully we can bring more clarity into this topic as we go along
0: I hope so too I hope that as information is relayed to us we pass it along Brian and I don't know what other way to put that I mean ladies and gentlemen this is literally what we are supposed to be doing There is no doubt to that. This is what we should be doing. Look, this is how it works. You read the Bible, you get revelation from the Holy Spirit, and you relay that information in the name of Christ the King. That's what a shepherd does. That's what a teacher does. That's what a preacher does. 100% 100% of the time. And when those three things are not accomplished, those who fear God set down, shut up, and wait for those three things to come about. It is only then that it is a beautiful time to speak of such things. So, Brian. Uh, Give us the websites, Uh, most importantly, how to get a hold of the iTunes feeds and uh, the projects you're working on. We're still working on uh, video. Where are you at with that? Uh, We need all your information and then your goodbyes, please, and I shall take us out.
1: All right, well, the website's the bands of time.com and we've got the TheEndTimeTribuneMedia.com. I still have to feed at least my uh, speaker into the, uh, what do you call it, iTunes feed. But, of course, we've got, according to the scripture, Matthew's got that set up going into iTunes. So, as far as the video, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull that off or not. That's going to be maybe far more difficult than I first in, had hoped but we'll have to see here what happens it might be possible i'm trying to get this mac that i'm using in the back room because i have to have it be a little bit more quiet In our living room it has got the air conditioner it has a fan above our heads that's got a broken bearing so it makes tons of noise all the time and of course we have a roommate that snores so i've got the imac set up in the back room and i don't know if it's going to be capable of pulling off video or not and maybe I'll have to try to move the other machine back here. I don't know, but we'll have to see how all that works out. Um, I think that's pretty much the gist of it. If you um, also we've got a, I have a Facebook page for Untime Tribune Media and one for the Bands of Time, and also Twitter. You can find me at the Bands of Time as well. Thanks for joining us. God bless.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, yes, I would direct you to the Facebook page. Uh, According to the scripture, you will find that uh, listed with my name, uh, Matthew Miller, of course. Uh, The way things are going, uh, that's just the best way to do it, is to go with a free uh, Facebook page. So uh, Brian has the uh, Facebook page. I have the Facebook page. And this is what we're going to continue to do let me relay you the mystery of the flawless cutlass it's read God's word get revelation from the Holy Spirit relay that information in Christ's name it's called and it's been called since I was a child read, rinse repeat but take note ladies and gentlemen the shepherd is only a shepherd if he realizes that the repeat part Is not what he said It's what God said Through the Holy Spirit In Christ's name And it's that simple That is the riddle Of the flawless cutlass Until next time Ladies and gentlemen We are your host, Matthew Miller and Brian Ingram God bless Godspeed pushing the envelope, signing off.